Welcome back to another week of the Press for Champagne podcast. Brandy, what's cracking? Oh my gosh. You know, not a whole lot. I wanted to tell everybody about a dream I had. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Two nights ago. Um, So only Danny can see me, but I'm still band-aged, band-aged, band-aided. I don't know, whatever the word is, up. And I get to take (laughs) this off tomorrow, which I'm just so excited about. I have stitches. I have stitches coming out inside my nose and a lot of skin peeling just for a visual. Like I'm looking really cute right now. Um, Sorry to interrupt. Do the stitches fall out naturally? Like, or do they have to take them out? No. So as they heal, they just kind of like come out of my skin. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can see behind my ear. Can you see that? No, but well, I'll look when we're ever done. Yeah, there's like probably a half inch of a stitch just hanging out of my ear, but my ear does look so much better. Um, they just kind of like as the skin heals, they eject from your body. I don't know, and then they'll fall off. So it's not or dissolve, mm-hmm. but um, the stitches inside my nose super gross plug your ears Danny they like collect your bugs hanging out and then you get this blockage up there it's so gross I wish somebody could like um I haven't done this yet and you're not supposed to like stick anything up your nose for like three weeks but I think I'm gonna try to find some like little scissors and like have you had about like one of those like child's like booger suckers no, but they're like, they get stuck on the string of the stitches. Wow. You know? Okay. Anyway, so this is your dream. What was your dream? Because I think we got really off the okay, rails. So the dream the other night, in the middle of the night, I was having this dream that I had, this is also gross, but I don't give a shit. When you're, you know, when your skin, like on your feet, like bubbles up. What? Like you, get, you got like a dry skin spot and it's like, you know, it's like a dry skin patch. So my, I like think flaky over bubble, but I get you. I call it a bubble because it like seems fluffy, but it's not. But anyway, (laughs) I was having a dream that I had a skin bubble or a dry skin patch on my nose and I was peeling it off. I woke up and I was peeling the (gasps) bandaid. Oh shit. It was wild. I was just like, holy shit. So then I had to like try to like smooth it down and it's so gross right now there's like all this makeup underneath you can see it and you look at it yeah you can see the make it's disgusting i feel like a troll well you don't look like a troll well thank you but i feel like one it comes off tomorrow super excited that's been my week wow that was an interesting story thanks for sharing with the class (laughs) you're welcome everybody hope you're not eating do you ever watch james corden no. So I don't watch his show, but sometimes I'll catch him on YouTube and he does carpool karaoke. Have you ever watched any of those? Oh, yes. I knew that's who it was. And I just. Yeah. So this week Hold I on. was watching carpool karaoke on YouTube with Harry Styles. And I do, don't ask me how I got there because I have no fucking idea. I don't really watch YouTube very often. So like it was really wild for me to actually like, get there, but it was just so fun. It was like such like a little feel good, like YouTube video. So if anybody wants like a little feel good, you know, five, 10 minutes, watch Harry Styles and James Corden's carpool karaoke. I highly recommend it. I think he's fun. Like he's Harry funny. Styles or James Corden. James. Um, I also think he's funny, but I also think Harry Styles is fun. And I, there's like this 
rumor going out in the wild that him and Olivia Wilde are Olivia Wilde or Olivia Munn. I always get those two confused. Not because they look similar, but because they have the same first name. But they're dating. Olivia Wilde seems way older than him. I know? think she is. Yeah. If that's the one that it is, I should Google it because I'm don't want I don't want to be putting out false information. Yeah, now I'm like maybe we should Google this. She, he's cast in her new movie. Which one though? Which Olivia? Olivia Wilde. Yeah. So they're dating. There's the rumor on the street. I mean, admittedly, they're kind of cute together. A I see a picture couple. of them holding hands, mm-hmm. and I'm into it. Yeah. So anyway, they. So I just have this. I love Harry Styles. So I just. God, they would have like a supermodel baby. Could you imagine the hair on that thing? Oh, could you imagine the jawline? Oh yeah. Anywho, so that was my. That's my really only current update for this week. I've not done anything fun or exciting, but that is my little tidbit for you guys. If you want five minutes of feel good time, watch the car- carpool karaoke because it's so good. I'm into it. Okay, Brittany, tell us what we're drinking this week. Um, we are drinking a red wine spritzer, which means that all you need is some of your favorite red wine, or quite frankly, maybe your shitty red wine that you're like, yeah, not wanting to, you know, share with friends because you're a little embarrassed about uh-huh. your two buck chuck. But some red wine with some tonic water. Am I right? Um, what did we use? We and then, soda. frankly, tonic water, club soda. I, my personal favorite at home is I always use um, like a sparkling LaCroix, mm-hmm. like a berry or something to add a little flavor. Um, but we just used a plain and then Danny added some mint leaves and some raspberries, which made it like super festive. Well, to be honest, the recipe that you put on our notes called for the mint is because Martha Stewart's a fancy bitch. And this is off of Martha Stewart's website. Oh my God. I posted about her this week. She is a queen. She's over 80 and she has better skin than I do. Over 80? Yeah. I w- if you would have told me 50, I would have been like, damn. Brandy, do you have thoughts on Kim uh, Kardashian West and Kanye West getting a divorce? Mm-hmm. Not surprised, felt like this was coming down the pipe, if you will. I think we talked about this a few episodes back that like rumors were brewing that they were getting divorced. I think Kanye's been in Wyoming for some time now. Um, From what I read, everything's pretty amicable. They're honoring the prenups that were entered into prior to um, them getting married. Fun fact, no one of the attorneys who worked on Kanye's prenup, so... And that attorney is in Nebraska? Yes, yes. So I I found that interesting. Yeah, she worked in Beverly Hills and now is in Nebraska, and we might have her on sometime because she's super interesting. Yeah. Um, Love her, but it was um, just kind of fun, fun little tidbit. But it's nice that it's amicable from everything I read. Um, the kids aren't super impacted, which makes sense. I mean, they have celeb parents, they travel all the time, so they're probably not super used to living in a family unit and being together. So I don't want to say if there's an advantage to it, but if there's an advantage to it, unfortunately, I think Kanye has had um, some mental health issues in the past few years, which has probably impacted things, but you know, it is what it is. So yeah. 
I need more from people when they file for divorce and irreconcilable differences. Like I need the court documents to show this is why I'm getting divorced because this is not fun. <laughs> like, oh, irreconcilable differences. Okay, great. What the fuck does that mean, Kim? If I had to draft a complaint for a dissolution of marriage and cite every reason that led up to that moment, you'd have like, I'd, I'd still be drafting. So what are the reasons that you, that a person could give for divorce? Because obviously we know irreconcilable differences is one, but like, are there, is there like, you know, check, check a box? Are there like three options? Well, for like Nebraska, we're a no fault state. So as long as that there's no, um, essentially no room for, I'm using layman's terms, but no room for reconcile. Like you've attempted to reconcile and there's just no way to do it. Mm -hmm. It means that one person wants to get divorced and the other doesn't. Um, you're going to get divorced. But there's no like box to check that be like, that was like, um, like, you know, my husband's in jail. So now I can't like, it's, it's just always irreconcilable differences. Like there's no other option. I've been practicing for close to 10 years, not quite, but I've never seen another reason stated. You know what? They need more reasons. You know what? But that's it. Like, think about it. Like it's your private personal business and that shit is all public record. Like I think we should have plain language because nobody needs to know your shit. I think there are certain um, exemptions from this rule. And if you are Kim Kardashian, who puts your life online, online, on social media, on fucking ETV, we need to know why you're getting a divorce, Kim. I want fucking instances. Danny, don't you know that we're probably going to have like an E special oh here God. in like T minus two years? Like so, she's going to get paid that. For sure. And I'm, I'm all here for it. And again, I'm not like a big um, Kardashian like fan. I'm not a fan or hater. I just don't ha- really have an opinion. I think that they're very successful and I'm happy for them and all of their success. I loved it when it first came out, but it like the thrill of it, if you will, just kind of fizzled out. Yeah. Um, but this is Kim's third divorce, right? Who is she? She was, she married-, was married to Chris Humphreys. And that was like that before that Chris day. Humphreys. She was married to Damon Thomas from 2000 to 2004. And Chris Humphreys. For I mean, like, I'm, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying. I was just saying that she was married, married to Damon it Thomas was, for a few years. Married to Chris Humphreys, which was only for seventy six days, I thought. But they're claiming it was longer than that. And then she's been married to Kanye since two thousand fourteen. I thought Chris Humphreys was cute. I thought he was a doorknob, but he was cute. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't into him. I, he just he seemed like he had no personality. He was a doorknob. Yeah. Anyway, so my other also, top, oh, Marin, I'm not trying to point fingers here, but maybe can you look in the mirror? <laughs> you know, I wouldn't disagree with you there if Kanye was not such a shit show. Like Kanye, you need therapy, and there's no shame in that. Get some fucking mental help. I he was just diagnosed with, with bipolar disorder. That makes yes. sense. Makes sense, yeah, Kanye. Does. Take your medication. We I love you. Well, I'm not, I'm not here to, sh- I'm not trying to shame you where well, I want to see you get help. I would hate to, for this, any of this to end tragically. I think his diagnosis has just come down within the last two years. So I find it interesting that some of the behaviors we've seen from him have been three, two years ago. And knowing that now we're like, oh, that makes sense. But at the time, I bet it was wild. 
to see that behavior in somebody and not know. I will never forget when he went on stage at whatever, like the Grammys or whatever uh, award show that was and took the microphone from Taylor Swift and was like, Taylor, you didn't deserve this. This is Beyonce's award. And Taylor was just like a little teenage girl being like, what the fuck just happened? Because Kanye West at that time was like a fucking powerhouse. And but also so was Beyonce. And I don't know why she didn't win. Yeah, but I don't know why Kanye felt the need that he had to fucking pop oh, it was, shame someone. Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. It's like watching a train wreck. And I think, and I'm honestly, ever since then, that's how I felt about Kanye's life. It's like watching a train wreck. So before we get into our guests this week, we just want to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by, by Armoire Style. And obviously, if you've been listening to us, you've been listening to us talk about Armoire. We just got a new case in the mail today. So we will have lots of new clothing styles coming for you. If you would like to sign up for Armoire, which you can get, you can try their Unlimited, which is six items at a time. It's in it. You can send them back and replace them as many times as you want. You can use our code TRYUNLIMITED for $150 off your first month. And um, you make sure you say that you heard about it from Press for Champagne podcast. A um, couple things to note as we've talked about. It's not that necessarily like the best user experience when you're trying to find clothing, but the clothing that you do end up getting is very good quality. If you do just want to give it a try, we do get a kickback if you use our if you say that you heard about it from us, and we always appreciate you guys' support. Brandy, you have anything else to add there? Um, I'm just super excited because I know this new case is in your car, and I'm like just excited to go get it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you guys, this week we have um, Dr. Chelsea Page on the podcast. Dr. Chelsea, DHS, LPC, MS, or all of the initials behind her name. Dr. Chelsea is an intimacy and women's empowerment expert and therapy-informed coach, passionate about working with women who are ready to break free from the need to be everything to everyone and being their full, authentic self. A reformed people pleaser, perfectionist, and overachiever herself, Dr. Chelsea is ready to help you step into confidence and connection with yourself and in your relationship. And without further ado, here is Dr. Chelsea. Hi, Chelsea. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm so good. How are you, ladies? Good. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm excited. This is going to be a good topic. So yes, it's going to be amazing. (laughs) We are super excited. Uh, Like we mentioned before we got on the podcast here, we've been wanting to cover something like this for a long time. We think that sexual health in a relationship, or even if you're not in a relationship, if you're just a single lady, I think we think it's super important. But um, let's start off. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Well, I just part of my background, I was such a people pleaser back in the day, and it's been my own life journey to just embody more of myself and be more in my emotional intelligence, my feminine power intelligence, my pleasure intelligence, like just know who I am inside and out. And I help other women do the same. And it is so fun. So fun. That is awesome. And honestly, um, I think that a lot of women will relate to being a formal, former people pleaser or being a people pleaser at the moment. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to dive into that and how you got over that obstacle. But um, what are, did you have to go to school or any sort of training to become an intimacy um, expert? Yes, I, I've done all of the kind of mind schooling I have, I did my undergrad in journalism, and I realized that I loved I took this one class on the social construction of human sexuality, and I was just mind blown about it, just understanding like what we are told 
to be and believe in our sexual self. And I was like, this is so fascinating. How do I make this into some sort of career or job? And I realized that there's things called sex therapists and I had no idea. So I jumped into finding out people who were doing what I wanted to do and kind of followed the training that they did. And I've gotten my master's in mental health counseling, my doctorate in human sexuality. And it's now, it's more of this kind of embodiment of everything that I've learned, like on a more like cellular level inside my body, not just in my mind, because we learn so much in our minds. So I <laughs> had to drop into my body and it's, it's so fun because we're always growing and learning stuff about ourselves as long as we're open to the kind of the school of life, right? Definitely. Where did you go um, to get your undergrad that you took that class? In it's so I'm based in Colorado. I live in Colorado, went to school in Colorado. So it was at the University of Boulder, the University of Colorado at Boulder. And it it was the hardest class. I one of the hardest class I took because I remember the teacher she kind of like had to make it hard given the topic that it was and almost had to prove it to the school that its existence was actually important. So she did a really good job. The professor, I can't remember her name, but it just ignited this this fascination of this whole world and just being embracing this part of us, especially as women, we're so many of us are so shy about our sexual self and so shy about pleasure and that is bad. And, you know, especially if religion comes involved in that and it becomes this whole taboo bad thing when it's such a beautiful thing so beautiful where where did you get your doctorate because obviously this i don't feel like this is such a mainstream thing yet i think in 2021 mm -hmm. we are talking about like sexual health more and we're more open to discussing it but we're still not like you know where <laughs> nope no and it's so fascinating i I used to feel some shame around where I went to school. And the reason for that, which is so ironic because I remember the story of this is really fascinating. I went to San Francisco and there was these two schools that I was kind of trying out. One was the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality. And it was a very non-traditional school. It was not regulated by the state because they didn't want state regulation because if you have state regulation, then you have to play by the rules and you have to be very um, clean, if you will. And <laughs> So I tried out this one program there. And at the same time, I went to, uh, I can't remember what the university is called in San Francisco, but they had this um, master's program in human sexuality. And I remember getting off the bus to go to the kind of the advisor appointment to just check it out, just to see the campus and everything. And I, it was the first time that like my inner intuition really spoke to me. I walked onto the campus and immediately my entire body went like, brings tears to my eyes, went like F no, like do not continue, like do not go. And I immediately turned right back around and got back on the bus and never looked back. <laughs> so oh it was just, I, and I see it now as, cause that program is not anything bad if anyone's done it, but it's very, it's very structured, it's very traditional. And the school that I went to, it was a very, it was a loosey goosey school. We like learned about the real stuff. Like one of the classes I went to, we went to a San Francisco dungeon where they had all the toys and all of the, you know, different pleasure tools and everything. I'm like, this is not something that you would learn in a traditional classroom. So I'm really appreciative of it now, but it felt 
something that I was shameful of because it wasn't the traditional program that you would get with that's all like buttoned up if you will but I feel like you need non-traditional because yes you're be talking about things that like you may ha never like see or experience yourself if it's not something you're into sexually so how else are you going I mean what do you do just watch a bunch of porn or something I, I don't know <laughs> like that doesn't even make sense to do that so I think that's so cool. And it I reminds think, me, what show is that? The Masters of Sex or something where they... Yep. Yep. I find it interesting, too, that you were in California because I lived in San Diego for a while and swingers clubs were very popular in the LA area. And they probably mm -hmm. still are, but I haven't lived there for a while. And so, I mean, like, to, to me, that was just something if you and your partner decided that you wanted to be swingers, you could do that. And it was not taboo. But coming back, we, you know, Brandy and I are in rural Nebraska. We're in a t currently sitting in a town of 1,300 people. And if someone was a swinger in this town, oh, my God, the scandal. But to me, it's just like if that's what you and your partner decide is normal, then that's normal. Like, no, I'm not here to judge. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite sayings that I heard was don't yuck someone else's yum. Like if that's, <laughs> if that's what you enjoy to do, if it's all consensual, you and your partner are down, whatever, like just you do you and I'll do me and everyone's good. But that's the hard part is we're, you know, kind of, as you said in the very beginning is we're kind of coming out more into being more open about, you know, sexual self and pleasure and the permission for it, but it's still, it's still a taboo topic and something that is a shameful thing, which is really unfortunate because especially for us women, it is such a beautiful, powerful essence of who we are. Like pleasure is our birthright. And if we deny ourselves of that, it's like that, that's just, it's just sad. It's really sad, but that's what we're taught growing up and to be small and quiet and don't, don't enjoy life and feel pleasure. <laughs> I agree. That's so true. I was going to say, so in your work at, can I say sex therapist? Am I going to offend you if I, this is all kind of new to us? No. So I, tr I'm in transition. So I did for a while do more of the sex and relationship therapy and had the therapist hat. And I, which is another ironic thing for me in being a therapist in that world, it's very regulated very a lot of red tape very i even it's so funny to me like i'm helping people build relationships with themselves and a partner but then i have to not be really in connection with them it's not i as a therapist you're not supposed to really reveal anything about yourself you're not even if i saw someone at the grocery store i have to pretend like you don't even exist to me it just it makes sense but it didn't really align with my values of connection and so now I, for me, I am a coach. And so that means I get to help people online. I get to send my clients gifts. I get to celebrate them. I get to be friends with them on Facebook. It gets to be more of this open connection place. And I mean, you could call me anything, sex coach, relationship coach, intimacy coach, empowerment coach, women's pleasure coach. I help women like just be themselves and embody themselves. And so it all, the terms just flow. <laughs> I'm gonna ask a double 
two-pronged question here. When you were doing primarily sex therapy, were you working with individuals or couples or a combination? Okay. Combination. Yep. I worked uh, mostly, it was about 50-50. I did 50-50 with couples and then mostly women, some men. Um, and yeah, now I work exclusively with women. It's just where I, my passion is at, not that it's not needed elsewhere. And it's like, as a couples therapist, I, I was, I was good. I was really good. And, but it just wasn't where my passion was. So I'm following the passion, the pleasure of my life. And that's where I go. I love that. When you were working with couples, were couples coming to you when problems had arisen or was it more of a proactive approach? I'm guessing it was reactive, but. Yeah, it's, it's so hard. It's one of those things just with anything when it comes to, you know, health, whether it's sexual health or, you know, healthy eating health and body health. So many of us go into that reactive place. Like if it's not broken, don't fix it. Or we don't go into the doctor till we're bleeding. And okay. so the preventative, you know, I remember whenever I got, you know, a newlywed couple coming in or a couple coming in before they got married, I, I would give them so much like kudos for that. Like you both are really, you know, setting yourselves up for success by coming in now and learning these pieces now. And because it's not that things can't be shifted and changed down the line. It's just the longer you, with anything, the longer you wait, the harder it is to shift it. It's shiftable. It just takes a lot of time and tenacity and, and tough work. And so I would get people coming in, you know, earlier on and some like 20, 30 years down the road. So it, it was a whole, whole spectrum of different people and different issues and different timeframes. What are some common practices for a couple that comes in together that wants to, I guess, for lack of a better word, fix their sex life? So with the sex life, usually when people come in at that point, it's, the sex life really isn't the issue, but it's a very tangible thing that can be seen as the issue because either sex is happening or it's not. It's very obvious that that's there. When in reality, there's deeper things that are going on, which is you're not feeling emotionally connected to yourself. So this happens for a lot of women. We don't know, we're not given permission to explore our bodies and our sexuality. And so when we are in partnership, we often don't know what we want, what we like, what we don't like, how to speak up and how to be open and free in our sexual self and also just outside of the bedroom and speak up for our wants and needs. And then disconnection happens. And when there's disconnection emotionally, especially for us women, it's really hard to want to be open in the bedroom. And so when couples come in with the bedroom issues, it's it's usually that's not the first thing that really pops up. It's a deeper, it's always, it's always deeper than the surface iceberg stuff. I know for me personally, sorry, Brandy, um, for me personally, like if I haven't worked out, like exercised in a while or if I eat like crap, I, and my husband wants to have sex. I'm just like, don't even look at me. Cause I mean, like, I just, I feel so gross and like, and it's, yes. it's not his fault that I feel gross. Like he's not the one that, you know, didn't let me work out that day. It was my fault, but it, he has to kind of suffer the consequences, consequences, if you will, because I did that to myself almost. Yes. And you hit on such, such an important piece. And this is something that, and there's, I mean, when issues are happening in relationship or in ourselves, there's so many different things that are often going on. It's just not just the one thing, but so often, especially in our society, 
women are in this place of do, do, go, go, go get things done, get shit done. And especially if you're a mom, you get into mothering mode and mothering mode is a very do watching like provider type of mode. And so as women, if we are in that energy, then that's not the place where we access our, our feminine energy and our pleasure that we have. It actually shuts that off. And so to really be more open into your sexual self is to do the things like we think it's silly, but it's the self-care stuff. Like right now, even though this is a recorded podcast, I dressed up today. I was feeling kind of frumpy earlier and I knew we're having a conversation about sexual things and pleasure and I wanted to get into the vibe, which means I'm going to guide myself through that, not just expect myself to turn on like a light switch. I've curled my hair, I put some makeup on, I have an outfit, my boobies are looking pretty cute, so I'm feeling good. Whereas if we've had like three slices of pizza and wearing sweatpants for four days, especially for a lot of us during COVID, you're not going to feel very sexy. <laughs> it's like why people say, you know, you have sex before you go out on the dinner date and then yeah get home because you just <laughs> I want to know the people that can stay awake that long I go out on a dinner with my husband we have a couple drinks afterwards and then I'm home I'm like I was sleeping in the car that's how I am too I'm like honey I'm going to bed I'm such an old lady I'm in bed at like nine o'clock I'm like I'm Me done I've, I got my pajamas on. I've got a book in my hand. The pups are cuddling with me. Like, we're, I'm done. If you want to have sex about like 2.30 in the afternoon, I'm game. <laughs> well, that, that's where, you know, creating these spaces in our life for more pleasure. And I teach a lot of the women that I work with is you can't expect yourself again to go from this like working and doing and cleaning and you know parenting and go do 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 and then all of a sudden switch into in the pleasurable and sexual place it's a very receiving type of energy rather than this move forward go do so again it's not a light switch i tell women we're not like you know gas fireplace how you flick the light switch on and off we're not like that we're like a wood fireplace you've got to build it up you kind of got to fan the flame protect it from the wind make sure the rain doesn't get on it like it's a little bit more finicky but we if you're accessing more of that feminine pleasurable energy throughout the day it's a lot easier than transition into the bedroom or wherever the heck it happens it doesn't have to happen in the bedroom but if you're already feeling like, you know, sexy and this high vibe and feeling good and flow and listening to music and already kind of at like a level five, then it's a lot easier to turn up the volume. But if you're at like negative five because you just had a huge argument with your partner and or if you're single or even not single, you had like a really awful day at work, it takes some time to transition that energy. But we can do that. We have the power to do that. How, how do you teach, and sorry, I have like a million questions. Like my Ask away. Like, all <laughs> but when you are working with, with couples, I mean, I think that it's, I don't know if it's a misconception or just, you know, the golden rule, if you will, that, yeah, women maybe are a lot more emotional when it comes to our sexuality. Like you explained where a wood burning stove takes us longer mm -hmm. to, to get up to that big roaring fire, if you will. But how, how do we as women teach our partners basically about that? So they understand, I mean, are men, are men just the flip on and off? I mean, do they have any emotional connection to, to sex and their sexual beings more so than we believe? And 
I mean, how, how do we, how do we teach one another <laughs> what we need? And it's a process of learning and especially for so much, just everybody, like nobody teaches us this stuff. Like oh. we go to school, like my calculus classes that I took where I cried so many times because I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate numbers. Mm -hmm. Like that stuff, I don't even remember. Like where was the classes that told me how to speak my wants and needs and to communicate that with my partner and to hear their wants and needs and for us to discover what works for us sexually and emotionally and all the pieces together. Like no, They're like, don't, don't have sex. You're going to get an STD and die. That's what they teach you. You know, like you're like, yes. oh God, I can't talk about this with anybody. Exactly. And then, you know, the whole don't have sex before marriage, but then once you're married, you're automatically supposed to be now open to having sex, even though you've shut it off for so many years. It, and, and great at it. Like it takes practice. <laughs> and that, and that's the piece, just even that word practice is being in this place of having those open conversations and practicing and allowing it to be awkward. Because again, so many couples we don't talk about this and so because it's already this taboo topic and you're talking about not only emotions but this physical space it's really vulnerable it's a very vulnerable space and so talking with a partner of you know can we explore this together can we play with this can we see what we each like and what we need and let's practice communicating and talking with each other about this and read some books and take some courses and let's actually be you know learners about this in our relationship and you know it takes a really open mindset to do that because it's it can be scary to step into that realm not because it is scary but because we're taught that it's scary and it's yeah. really not that scary i think that like kind of what you said before with like even like the religion aspect i think that plays a, a big kind of mind fuck with people because they think yeah. that they're not supposed to do this this and this because god's watching i'm just like you know what Adam and Eve had sex too. Okay. We're fine. Yes. So, Which, I mean, I think that's been a big hurdle for a lot of people. Not even it's that, but I mean, hard. I've read articles and this is probably taboo because it feels taboo to say it out loud, but people talking about masturbation and normalizing that, I mean, it is such a like, oh my God, nobody would ever say that. And as you know, there's just all this Yes, bad. It's like bad, it's, bad. It's, it's, it sounds like a bad word to say. Mm -hmm. And this, <laughs> I in, in any of the courses I've done in passive teaching, there's like so many myths that I love to break through. It's like one, pleasure is good. Pleasure is amazing. And especially like as women, like our clitorises is purely for pleasure. Like it is literally right. built onto our body and self-pleasure, masturbation, totally fine. Heck, I got a vibrator in my side drawer, totally fine. Like it, it pleasure is such a beautiful, amazing thing. It's not something to be afraid of. And you know, any of what is it? There's so many different myths of how long it takes to get into the mood. I remember recording once in a movie how long it took them to like open the door and a like passionate <laughs> kissing, and then they're in the bedroom and then they roll off of each other in this big like sigh of, oh my gosh. And it was like 60 seconds. And I'm like, that's <laughs> not long enough for me to even take off my bra. I mean, come on now. <laughs> a lot of class back there. Uh, <laughs> yes. I think that's a really great point that Bernie to talk about like masturbation because that's normal. Mm -hmm. People do it. Women do it. 
And it's yep. okay. Like you shouldn't have to feel ashamed that you want to, you know, like even like for me, I'm married and sorry, Michael, I know you're not listening. Michael's my husband. <laughs> you know, I think that even as a married woman, you're allowed to masturbate when you want to. Oh yeah. Like, it's... Are you going to teach somebody else about your body if you don't know your body and your own pleasure? Oh, yes. Yes. No, you don't know. No, you're going to, I think you're going to be highly unsatisfied. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> well, in the piece that, yes, it, it gets to be this place of abundance. So what really happens, and I see this, this happened in my mind. I see this all over the place that we have grown up and lived in this very lack mindsetted world. It is the place of it's, there's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's like not enough space. There's just not enough, not enough, not enough. And the same thing happens in this place of pleasure. And what can happen is it becomes this competition and some partners can get, um, I don't know why this phrase is coming up for me, like butthurt about it, that, you know, if I self-pleasure or even if I pull out my vibrator while we're having this co-creative pleasurable experience, there can be some hurt feelings around it that, oh, does that mean I'm not enough? Or I can't give you an orgasm or you're not liking this or all the self-doubts come in. When in reality, there it's no competition. If the focus is on pleasure and shared combined pleasure, then however that happens, go for it. Like bring in the toys if you want to, not necessary. And side note, totally does not fix a sex relationship, just bringing in the toys, by the way, that's just a Band-Aid approach. But bring them in, have fun. And if you want to have self-pleasure on the side, that's okay, as long as it's not replacing and as long as it's not because I'm avoiding my partner or as long as it's not, you know, this place where you are in self-pleasure because that's your one avenue to, you know, relieve stress and that can start to go down into addiction land, which is pretty rare, but it's more of, no, there's an abundance of pleasure. I'm feeling like I want to feel some pleasure right now. Maybe my partner's not in the mood right now. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Like, it's all okay. It's not a competition. It doesn't mean anyone is not enough in that place if that makes sense that's such a good thing to point out i mean this is when you have to be concerned about it like if it is starting to go down an addiction route but if you're replacing it for other things or with it you're replacing other things with that mm -hmm. masturbation i can yeah. say it i can say it out loud it's not yes 20 times an episode and like we're like uh masturbation <laughs> <laughs> um so my next question is if you have people that come in and say you know i have girlfriends that will say like oh well, as long as you're having sex once a week you're fine mm. is there like i mean i know every relationship's different every couple's different but how are you supposed to determine if you determine if you have a healthy sex life? Because I mean, like you obviously can't compare it to your girlfriend's sex life. No, 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 no. So there is no like perfect magic, accurate, healthy number of times to be having sex. Like it, it gets to be different for everybody and it changes in the relationship. There's going to be times when maybe there's more sex happening and there's times where there's some more space between and it gets to be like an accordion. It's okay. It's all okay. 
And as long as both people are feeling good in it, then it's good. And if it's not feeling good, that's when the conversations need to happen. And if you don't know how to have the conversations with each other, that's when reaching out and getting help is really important. And, you know, for me, I, I'm not really a once a, a week kind of person, to be honest, like that, that does, I'm more of like a couple times a month kind of person sprinkled yeah. in with some self-pleasure happens in there. So it's like, and it, and it changes and it evolves and life happens. Like last year I, I had a big surgery that happened. And so we weren't having sex after that. Like, and it was a big conversation about it as well, because it was an internal surgery that I had. So it really impacted our sex life. And we had to have a conversation and, and to realize as well that sex doesn't have to mean penetration and it doesn't have to mean an orgasm happens. This is where so many of us put so much pressure on the number, the frequency and pressure on this success and outcome that, oh, it's not successful unless it ends in an orgasm for both people. Yeah. When in reality, it's have the pleasurable experience with each other as often as you want to and have it look however you want it to. If it means, you know, sudsing up in the shower and making out and that is your pleasurable connection for that time that you both have, great. And yeah. if there's an orgasm, great. And if not, great. Like it, it doesn't matter. That's such a good point. I was just thinking, what happened to a good old fashioned makeout sesh? Mm -hmm. You know, as we get older. <laughs> I, you want to know what I, how I feel at least I always feel like if I if, sorry my, my my husband's gonna be so mad at me if he hears this podcast because one of his agree, one of the agreements that we had when I saw this podcast we couldn't talk about our, we, I couldn't talk about our sex life I've, I've talked about my previous sex life but for me personally if I start making out with my husband he immediately wants to bone down I was like Michael you need to tone it down a little bit. You take it from zero to 100 and I would like to take it to like a 15 and then go to bed well and this is this happens a lot in relationships and this actually creates this negative feedback cycle in a lot of relationships because, and not all the time, but stereotypically what happens is for, for the woman, they're like, okay, I want to connect and I want to maybe sink into a hug or have, you know, a good makeout session, but then the fear kicks in that, oh, this has to lead to more. Mm -hmm. And then there feels, again, this pressure, I call it the pressure escalator, that's, oh, if we start kissing and making out, then we're going to have to go into the bedroom and take off clothes and we're going to have penetration and have to have orgasm. And it's like, well, maybe I'm not up for all that. Maybe I just want to kiss and make out on the couch. But then what a lot of women do is then they stop it from anything from happening. They're like, I'm not even going to give a kiss. I'm not even going to give a hug. I'm not going to do any of that physical connection for fear that it's going to lead to more which then leaves their partner in this scarcity place. They're like deprived of this connection. And so when any kiss does happen, now they're like, oh, let's have sex because we haven't connected in forever, which then perpetuates the cycle that the gal thinks, oh, every time we touch, we have to have sex when yeah. it can be That's just the in-between pieces, right? It's so true. It's like one extreme or the other yeah. because you're like... <laughs> you're like withholding from one another. And if you would just give in a little bit more, so maybe do you that have a conversation with your partner to fix that. I'm like taking notes. Do I just tell Michael, <laughs> I don't want to have sex every time. I'm <laughs> I think you need to be yes. more affectionate on a regular basis. Oh, that's, I, I am not an affectionate person by nature. But my husband is his, his, uh, I guess, love language, if you will, is touch. And mine is acts or affirmate or acts of, or acts of service. Mm -hmm. And so Oh, he wants me to cuddle and do all the things and like spoon in the morning. And I like just want to get out of bed and be like, bye, Michael. See ya. 
Well, and that that's then the ironic thing is again, if we leaned into that cuddle a little bit more, then it's it's almost like the love meter gets filled up and then it's not depleted and empty. So then when any cuddle happens now, he's like, Oh, I'm like empty, I need to be filled up. Mm-hmm. But if it's there's more of this frequency of touch that happens throughout the relationship and one of the one of the ways to approach it, and I told couples this when I was working with couples a lot, is one of the kind of like doctor's orders is take penetration and orgasm just off the table for a couple weeks. Just that doesn't mean no touch. That doesn't mean no cuddles. That doesn't mean no kisses. It's let's just take the pressure of the orgasm and penetration off the table. And what happens, especially for a lot of women, is just that permission for it not to have to go all the way to the quote unquote end. It just relaxes. And now there's permission to make out on the couch. Now there's more permission to have that cuddle in the morning. Now there's more of this feeling of safety and comfort to lean into more of that touch. And the ironic thing that happens is when we're more relaxed and we actually lean into those more cuddles, the more open we actually become into our pleasurable experience and it becomes easier to be sexual. It's not required, but it's a lot easier to do. So just taking it off the table and not expecting that to be there can actually create a lot of deepening connection that can help just kind of shift out of that old way of thinking and being and doing in the relationship. That's such good advice. It, it just like makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You know, but yeah, hearing it. Did you yes. know you were going to be doing therapy for us? <laughs> I know. I'm like taking notes. I'm like, Michael, <laughs> do you want to come in here? <laughs> so let's sit everybody down. Well, and this can be, you know, if anyone's listening, Dr. Chelsea's orders. Yeah. Take sex off the table. Take penetration off the table. Take orgasm off the table for like two weeks and just see what happens. Just see what happens. It sounds like fun. Like it could it, be fun. It get, That's the thing is it then gets to be fun. Like, it's like, if you think about every time you go to the playground that you have to go down the slide every single time, it's mm-hmm. like, like, well, but what if I want to like actually play around and do some other things? And what if I just want to like run around and actually not go down the slide? But what if I want to do the monkey bars and then the slide? And it becomes right when you just open up the experience and follow the pleasure, then it becomes yummy as opposed to something that you're avoiding or going ugh about or feeling this pressure. And it, yeah, pleasure. We don't want pressure. We want pleasure. Just follow the pleasure. I love that. So when you are doing like coaching for women that you've kind of now pivoted and focused on, mm-hmm. are you finding that women are coming to you like change of life? Is there an issue? I mean, just a whole plethora of reasons why they're coming for different coaching. The big, a lot of the women that are drawn to me just because of my own experiences and how I talk and just my energy is a lot of the women that come into my world are those who have, they've lost themselves that they, how I was before, like the people pleaser, I was living my life from the outside in rather than the inside out. And I had no idea who I was. I had no idea what I liked or didn't like, you know, let alone in the bedroom, but just like, what do I want to eat? (laughs) Like, it was just this whole, you know, blank in my mind because I had lived my life for other people for so long. And that's, this is a, And I help women with this of understanding those protection strategies that we get into because we become the overachiever, the perfectionist, the people pleaser, because it's how 
we try to feel love and feel enough and feel like we're going to be wanted and needed and important and like we matter and not abandoned. And so all of those then drive the undersurface. And so that transition for me of really embodying my personal power and my voice and my, my energy of who I am and my pleasure and my sexiness and just my emotions and understanding that all those pieces, the women that come to my world are like, I want, I want to trust myself more. I want to know who I am more. I want to embody my feminine power more. I want to feel comfortable with my sexuality. I want to feel comfortable with my sexual self. Like who is, who even is this sexy part of me? Like I have no idea. So it just, the women, anything that they really desire to embody more and find out more about themselves is what I help with. And I, like, I could talk about it for days. I freaking love it. <laughs> I know I said that earlier, but it's, it becomes this, this whole empowerment situation. And, um, yeah. And so I focus on just any of those areas. Like I have stuff that does focus on the sexual side and the, you know, the pleasure and knowing that it's okay. And we have permission for that. And it's not an ugly, bad thing. And we get to have that even, even just the day to day, like the literally stop and smell the roses type of situation. Like we want more of that in our life, mm -hmm. but we don't do that because we feel like we have to do and prove and please and be perfect which then also does impact the bedroom as well. And it's not good. So how did you start on your own journey of not being a people pleaser anymore? Oh, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to, I was married before. So I'm married now to my husband, Paul, such a wonderful man. And I was married before and I had just developed that relationship from a people pleaser place. And I didn't know any better. And I just, I, basically just self-sabotage and destroyed it all. And I just realized that I cannot be living life like this anymore because I had a moment where I had changed my name on Facebook and felt like I literally, like my soul died because it was the last piece of me that I gave away was my name and on Facebook. And I like had a panic attack and changed it back. And at, from that moment forward, it was like, I, I need to actually create space for myself and know who I am. And I just went on a very messy journey of doing that. And luckily now I know the steps and the, the pathway to go through of, you know, finding yourself and knowing yourself and healing what needs to be healed and, you know, trusting and embracing your power and your pleasure and all these pieces. Like now I can fast track people to that. Like I had a gal who was in my same situation and six months into our coaching, she's like already in like power woman status. It's phenomenal. That's awesome. I was gonna, I mean, I do handle a lot of divorces in my mm -hmm. line of work. And so sometimes I see um, clients going through this process like prior to filing for a divorce. And sometimes that happens after, but I was curious what you time frame wise how, how yes. long, I mean, to hear six months is, um, really interesting because sometimes I see people like go off the deep end and do a lot of like really unhealthy things mm -hmm. and then realize it's unhealthy and then try to like backtrack a little bit, but it's, oh, yeah. it is, has to be so empowering for somebody to be going through that process, but be doing it in a really healthy way 
to get to that point so that whatever the next, you know, door that opens, they're ready. And, exactly. You know, and yeah, I did. I, I, I did it messy. I did. I did. <laughs> like, I, I didn't understand my emotions and what was happening. And I did the whole self-sabotage. I started drinking more and partying more. I was talking to other guys. Like it was a whole situation. It was bad. And it's, you know, definitely part of the piece and the journey is that I help women with too, is the just loving of all of ourselves and loving our past self is a really huge piece of that because we all have a sordid past in one way, shape or form. We've all done something where we're not proud of and it becomes, you know, that's part of the healing piece too. And, you know, I'm really thankful for all the process as well as um, I think it was about, I don't know exactly the time frame. Cause my, let's see, I got married in 2012 and we were divorced in 2014. So it was still, you know, a couple of years of like, you know, trying to figure it out, make it work, all these kind of things. And it was just, no. And I mean, he was a wonderful man. It just, I, you know, picked him and created this whole life from my people pleaser aspect. And not to say, you know, if any woman is in that position that it needs to lead to divorce, it just, I didn't get the help that I really needed. And that's also why I was in this place of trying to help people now is like, I, I want women to be empowered to make the decisions from the, for themselves from an empowered place rather than from a reactive place, which is where I was at. Right. And so it's, it's a journey and it still continues. I'm still learning layers with inside of myself and discovering. And that's the beauty of all of this is we get to keep growing and learning and loving if, if there's a woman listening right now that is kind of in that situation that you were in where she's in a marriage and she is trying to get over being a people pleaser, but maybe her husband isn't, isn't as receptive because he's used to his wife being a people pleaser. She mm -hmm. wants to still be in the marriage, but there, it's not, there's a lot of friction. Like, do you have any advice for a woman that is going through that? It's trusting the process of changing the dynamic and this i had to do this in my recent marriage too like i started to see even more old tendencies were starting to come up and i was almost like hell no like <laughs> this is this cannot happen like i i tell i tell women i'm like where you go you will always follow and so you then need to do the work now and it might help the relationship that you're in now or you're going to do the work later so you might as well try it now and see if it really helps and shifts the relationship now and it might not but it does take time to shift a dynamic that always has been because like you said it, if you are, this applies to anything, whether you're in a relationship or not, if you have always been the people pleaser and now you're starting to embody more of your power and speak your voice and set boundaries. And you know, I was talking to a girlfriend the other day that she was setting some more boundaries around her mom and her mom was like, what? Like, I like almost like, who are you? This is not who you are. And it's, you have to decide if you really want this or not, if you really want the love for yourself and the voice for yourself and to speak your truth and to be in your embodiment and in your power and trust that things will shift and they will change or the people will fall away. And that's, you know, kind of a sad truth of it. And that's often why we don't change is because we're afraid of that abandonment piece. And it's like, well, when we don't change, not change, but when, when we don't embody who we really are, then we're actually abandoning ourselves the entire time. So it yeah. becomes this sad thing. That's, that's what I did. I abandoned myself the whole time. 
but it becomes, and I'll say this one, um, <laughs> I tell the women in some of my group and they're always shocked by this, but it becomes this trusting in yourself and entrusting in your partner to hold the change that's happening. And the example that I usually give is I kept, and so many women do this, they do so many things around the house. They like do the laundry, they do the cleaning, they're like doing all the things and they get pissed off because they're like, why isn't my partner helping me around the house? And oftentimes it's because we're not letting them help us. Like, well, my husband pulls laundry step back. Killer, so he's not <laughs> doing any of that. Well, and that's the thing is then we also control how it's done and the way it's done. So it's I'm like, well, here. he's folding the laundry, but then if you're criticizing it, then he's like, well, why do I even step in and do anything? Because I get I'm criticized. I'm convinced my husband does it on purpose. He like takes things and like rolls in a ball and calls it folded. So I will like tell him not to do it. <laughs> but that's the thing. What we do as women is we do all the things and then we control all the things. And I... I do it sometimes and I've been there, done that. So no judgment against anybody who's doing this, but to practice speaking up and then also stepping back oh. is allowing, if you think of this energetic space, if you keep stepping into it, then your partner has no space to step in and provide and help you. So you have to step back, but the stepping back, you have to hold it. And so the example I give is, and I know this always blows women's minds, is I had had a conversation with my husband and it asked him, can you, you know, are you available to be in charge of the trash from now on? It's something that I just don't want on my plate anymore. And I'm starting to get resentful. And, you know, is this something that you're, you know, open to take on? And so, and he said, yep, that's fine. I can take that on. Okay. So here's the moment and the moments, whereas me, I need to step the fuck back and let him actually do the trash. But the thing is, he also needs to trust that I'm not going to step in and do the trash because he's used to me stepping in all the time and doing all the things. So it took, I kid you not, almost four weeks before the trash was taken out of our kitchen into the outside, which meant for those four weeks, I needed to manage my anxiety about the fact that it was not being done and not go in to criticize him, not go in to push him, not go into mothering mode and nag him, not try to make him do all the things, but instead trust that this dynamic will shift. I just need to hold and trust that I'm going to step back. And once he finally was seeing that I was stepping back and holding back, now he, he does the trash, like basically like 90% of the time now. Yeah. So, but it needed to shift and it needed to be that tension of a place or you just shift back into the old patterns because you're just like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to step in and do it. And that's what so many of us do is we just step right back into the old pattern and don't actually give the new way a chance. There's a literally a TikTok out right now of females asking somebody to take out the trash. And then like 60 seconds later, they're pissed because they took out the trash. <laughs> and the whole point is, is like, you didn't even allow them the opportunity to do what you asked. Yes. I mean, it just, it's funny, but it's not funny because we do do that. I mean, is it something that we've like seen as adolescent? I mean, have we seen our own mothers behave that way and so we're like replicating the same behaviors over and over like where the hell do we learn this it's there is a piece you know we always learn stuff from our upbringing and our parents and the way to do relationship whether we're told or not told like we pick it up we're like osmosis as kids we pick it all up like sponges and one of the things is we 
oftentimes we do this because it's, we want to control so many of the women I work with is they want to control everything because to control everything is safe. And that, but then it also creates this negative dynamic of, well, now I'm controlling everything and now I'm pissed off at my partner and I don't feel emotionally connected to you and I'm doing all of the things. So now I'm freaking exhausted. So, um, no, I'm not going to go into the bedroom and have sex with you. So it creates this whole negative dynamic when it really goes, like I said, it is self-sabotage and we don't even know that we're doing it. And that's why as I said earlier, it's like, it's not just about adding a sex toy to the bedroom. It's <laughs> right. It's deeper than this about, okay, where, where am I not speaking up and being vulnerable in my life? And where am I not releasing and letting go? Cause if you're trying to control everything all the time, then you can't release, you can't let go. Your partner can't really even fully love you. And you're not opening yourself to pleasure and vulnerability. And we often don't do that because it wasn't safe in the past. Someone told us to, you know, not be a girl and cry like a girl or someone, you know, we got abused in the past or we got criticized in the past or we got shamed for wearing that short skirt in the past. So we're not going to show our skin anymore. And there's all these pieces that go in. So that's like, for me, I tell the women I work with, I'm like, I'm not just your band-aid coach. So if you want mindset, that's not me. Like we're going to go in and heal that shit so that it doesn't keep following you around. Like, let's be powerful amazing ass women in this world because the world needs it i'm gonna yes. get off my soapbox now <laughs> <laughs> i love it this I is couldn't agree more. what kind of methodology do you use i mean i know like you're kind of focused on coaching but what what does that entail i mean we hear like, like if someone was to come to you for a session yeah. a client what what how how's it start Yes. So for me, what I really love focusing on is parts work. So you can call it, you know, inner child work, parts work. There's um, internal family systems as a therapy model approach, which I don't officially use, but it's really identifying the parts inside of you that try to protect you and stop you from either being you, being vulnerable, being seen, being visible, releasing, letting go and feeling just life and the pleasure of it. And the trifecta that affects so many of us is the people pleaser, the perfectionist and the overachiever. And those are the parts in us that often they, they are there to protect. Like for me, my people pleaser, I very handily learned how to do that because it was my way to be you know, if I make you happy, then you won't be mad at me. And if you're not mad at me, you won't leave me. And if you don't leave me, then I won't be abandoned, which means I'm not going to feel that again. I've had so many abandonment wounds in the past. And so then we develop these strategies to protect ourselves or to cover up our emotions and cover up our feelings. So identifying these blocks I help women with and then healing those and what they're protecting underneath and then starting to be more vulnerable and being ourselves and being seen and just practicing being visible in this world and it's it's a process it is definitely not a one-shot kind of thing that's for sure I'm going to say that makes sense even though I've never experienced it but it <laughs> I mean when you explain it it makes sense that that's what it would involve. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. so interesting. And this, and this applies to so many areas in our life. And when we think of even, you know, our sexual self and in the bedroom is, 
you know, if you have the people pleaser, then you're going to be focusing just on your partner, which means you're not even going to receive, like if your partner wants to please you, the receiving of that is like, whoa, I don't want any attention on me. I got to focus on you and make sure you're happy. Mm-hmm. So that comes in or the perfectionist side comes in and go, well, I need to look perfect in order to have sex, or I need to have this perfect body in order to be, you know, to experience pleasure, which is totally not the case. And so that comes in or the overachiever comes in that's like, oh, well, if we're not doing it, you know, three times a week, then that means there's something wrong with us and we need to make sure we're doing it enough. So that way we're, we're succeeding as a couple or I'm, you know, feeling good as a partner. So it, it just, it infiltrates so many areas. And, you know, I work with women in business, it applies in business. And like, if you get to the core of what's blocking you from being you, then it just helps everything relationship you know, partnership, it, friends, family, business, like everything, like all of the things. It's quite fascinating. I'm actually, I like how you bring I'm business. amazing. <laughs> I like how you bring business into that because I mean, like Brandy and I both own our own businesses and I work mm-hmm. from home and I've been working from home well before COVID. And if I've had a stressful day at work, well, I'm already home. So my work is my home. So if I had a stressful day, at home slash work. And then my husband comes in and wants to have sex. I'm like, I'm stressed. Cause I'm, I'm still technically at work and right. I've had a shitty day. So you can't, for me, there's not even like a disconnect because like I go from my office to my living room. It's all connected. And that's where transition time is so important. If you right, allowing yourself to right, you can't like right now, I like, if, if I shut my computer and I walk out of my office and my husband's like, do you want to have sex? I'm going to be like, no, <laughs> like, I, I, but maybe I'm kind of feeling like jazzed up right now. Cause I love these conversations, but that's when it gets to be a place of really checking in with yourself. Is this a yes or no, which again, people pleaser comes in for a lot of women that they're going to say yes anyways, because maybe it's been a while or they don't, you know, they don't want to have a fight. They're avoiding a fight. So they, well, I guess I'm just going to say yes, but then they just show up as in body, but they're not showing up as energy in the room. And then you're just kind of giving your partner French fries when they're starving and they want to have more of you. And then they ask for more sex because you're not really fully present. So you got to be present and allow yourself to be. And if you're not available to be present, you get to say, you know, I, oh my gosh, right. This is, this is a good tool line you could take away as if my husband was here right now and, you know, I walk out of the office and I'd be like, oh my gosh, honey, I'm so glad you want to connect with me. I love that. You know what, right now I'm just, I like, I'm feeling this energy after my interview and I just need some space. Can you give me like an hour? I'm going to go take a shower, go take a bubble bath or I'm starving. So I want to eat a little bit because I haven't eaten and whatever need I need in order to be more present. Mm -hmm. Or it might be like, you know what? That sounds really nice, but you know what? Sex I'm not available for, but I would love to go make out on the couch. Like that sounds really nice. So it gets to be this, again, this co-creation of the pleasurable experience and you get to have a voice in it. You get yeah. to say no or switch it or change it or advocate for yourself that, you know what, let me go put on something sexy and listen to some music or, you know what, could you actually go put the kids down? And while you go put the kids down, I'm gonna go put on something nice or I'm gonna go take a shower or I'm gonna go listen to some music or I'm gonna get a little bit started with my vibrator in the bedroom so that I'm kind of transitioning my body a little bit more into this energy. And it's a double bonus because partners putting the kids down, like that's kind of nice. So you, <laughs> you, you get to play around with that transition because yeah, it's especially working at home. It's, we're not light switches. 
We are not light switches. We're not robots. Beep, boop, bop, not happening. That's, that is a really good tool. I think a lot of listeners can take that. Yeah, away. I agree. Because like, you know, I think that you, you feel, I mean, I guess for me, I feel guilty if I say no. But if I say like a no, but... I think that gives like a, I'm not shut, I'm not slamming the door, but I'm softly closing the door and we're gonna like go through the window and do something else, you know? Like, mm -hmm. so I think that's a really good, it's a good way for, for women and men to not feel rejected or like they're rejecting their partner. Yes, and it's, and that's what happens is when we feel guilty for saying no and, but you, you get to say no, but you don't wanna be like, no, not right now or ugh, you're asking again or any of that, that's not really respectful and honoring. And again, like I said before, this often happens because then we feel like there's pressure to do the whole shebang of sex when in reality we could like just do a makeout session on the couch or go cuddle in bed or do a naked massage or take a shower together or whatever the heck you want, read an erotic story together or watch Bridgerton together because that's sexy. It's like, <laughs> you know, like you kind of need either vibrator or partner when you watch that show. So. Agreed. It was yes. phenomenal. For <laughs> it's a sexy show. So it gets to be that conversation and it, some, it takes some time, sometimes to switch it, sometimes not that long. It's really asking yourself, what kind of relationship, sexual relationship do I desire? Mm -hmm. And as a couple, if you're in a couple, what kind of relationship do we want to have? Do we want to have? Not what the movies are saying, not what the porn is saying, not what society is saying, not what mom and dad is saying, not what, you know, gym teacher who tried to give us condoms was saying, you know, like mean girl style. Like what do you, <laughs> what do you want? And if you don't know, get help. And is it, I mean, is that like the number one thing when people are like, we're not having sex one time a week or X amount, are you just like, stop counting? Like, is that like the number one no-no? Like, just stop. Yes, it don't count and it's the take the pressure off. Take the pressure off and once the pressure comes off, because when we feel pressure, because we're animals, so when we feel pressure, we're going to be in more of this anxious state and our bodies are going to close off. We're going to be, it's in more of the sympathetic nervous system. And what we want to do when we are feeling more in our sexual self and calm and relaxed and safe, that's the parasympathetic nervous system. It's where we want to be okay. <laughs> and that's where we access our pleasure. But if we're feeling pressure and we're feeling like we need to perform and we're feeling like we need to be perfect and we're feeling like all of this, then we're going to be, our bodies are going to be on lockdown and it's not going to work. You might show up as in body form, but we're not really going to be that open to it. We want to be present in mind, body, heart, and soul in the sexual relationship, which is hard because it's vulnerable as fuck. Yeah. I when you, oh, sorry, go ahead, Andy. No, you go ahead. I was going to say that, you know, I think that as women, as we get older too, people think, oh, this must be something wrong with my hormones. I better get my hormones checked out. Or, you know, they're going to the drugstore to try and find the libido vitamins mm -hmm. or whatever. Like, but it really is, I mean, working on yourself more so than your hormones being out of whack. Yes. And that, that can always be part of the case. And it's always important to check biologically if something is off, but most of the time it's, you are stressed. 
the fuck out because you're doing too many things and you need to relax, calm, create space, let your partner take out the trash and stop doing all the things and bring more pleasurable experiences in your life. Listen to more music, right? Play, you know, go for a walk, take a bubble bath and all these pieces, explore pleasure, have fun, dance around your house. Those are the kind of things that are actually going to bring your sexual self to come out and play. But if you're in go, go, go mode and if you're, you know, fighting with your partner all the time and you're not speaking your voice at all, then your sexual self is going to be like, um, I'm not coming out like that. Sound, no, <laughs> not going to happen. So it's most of the time it's a lot of these pieces we've been talking about and there are of course some hormonal differences and changes and there are you know some you know health issues that can get in the way and you know even a lot of women not a lot of women but some women have like pain and sex and some women and those kind of things and a lot of it is because you're not allowing your body to open to the pleasure that's happening because it might have been unsafe in the past so your body's on lockdown so that goes into a whole other conversation but that's where the self piece is really huge in the healing. That was kind of, I guess my question is um, in when you're doing this coaching, how often or do you often work with other healthcare professionals? Like if it is a biological issue, are you working kind of in conjunction? Because I don't know that we know sometimes how to explain it to like a medical professional what's going on and mm -hmm. you know sometimes these issues are kind of brushed off a little bit that it's just it is in your head but if they've worked with you and you've identified okay we've worked through this and it seems to be more than you know an emotional thing or working through these issues it, do you do you help people with that if they're yes yeah, so not as much uh, anymore as when I was more in the therapist realm, but there was a lot that I did work in tandem with a lot of professionals like a pelvic floor therapist. That was something that oh. would be really helpful for, you know, women who are having pain and sex and that kind of thing that there are, you know, different approaches in that case. And sometimes, you know, your the skin in just the lubrication that's happening in your the vaginal walls that can be impacted with hormones, especially, you know, during things like menopause and that kind of thing. So there are some, you know, again, hormonal pieces that come in and also, you know, other health practitioners that can help. It's a lot of the time though, it's the emotional piece, but it's good to kind of just check with the doctor just to make sure that that's not the case. And then then you can dive more into the, like the mind and the body piece because our minds and our bodies are so interconnected that it we got to connect them both and put it into this positive feedback loop so it actually feels it feels okay basically it's having the mind go pleasure is safe vulnerability is safe being open is safe and good and then the body response open safe pleasure good and then we create this positive feedback loop so anything that's going in the way of this is not safe this is not okay this is bad this is shameful we got to shut this down and that's where the work happens that's a lot of really good information i i'm really excited that we decided to cover this topic brandy did you have any other questions before we get into dating stories yeah i do have one so because you're not technically providing therapy and you're coaching are there any limitations we have a ton of listeners like nebraska georgia and mm -hmm. other states are you limited on coaching um i i feel very empowered after this conversation. So. <laughs> good is, is it something that you can provide coaching for 
you know, virtually for people all over? Yes. And that's the like fantastic thing. Like I have a gal in Britain right now and it gets to be, I know it's my vision in myself. Like I, I want to be one of those women, like the next Brene Brown. Like I want to be part of the energetic shift in the world and empower women along the way. And I, I can't do that if I'm just working in Colorado. Like I'm thinking globally here and impacting women all over the world and, you know, game changers too. Like that's why I work with not exclusively, but a lot with women in business because women in business are shifting and changing the world. I work with a lot of other coaches or, you know, like you ladies doing this podcast is like you are impacting other people in this world. And so it becomes this beautiful ripple effect of, you know, expansion and love and being able to change. I know this sounds woo, woo, but like the energetic vibration in the world. So we actually can be living in a better place. Like if <laughs> infusing more women energy in the world is what we need, is my opinion. Yes. This, we've done like many, many episodes by now. And this has probably been one of my favorite. Like it's, it's like so empowering. And I think it's so informative. And even though it is taboo, it's something that we need to talk more about. Oh yes. All the aspects of ourself. Like we get to have, like, I wrote a post on Facebook the other day is I am full of myself. And as women, we get to be full of ourselves. We get to be all of who we are and show up empowered in our life and in relationships and show who we are. But we've just been told not to be and to hide and play small and I am no longer okay with that. So I played that game earlier on in the world mm-hmm. in my time. And I'm like, this is not fun. I'm going to do it differently. Yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting that you say that because I have been called a narcissist more times than I can count. And I'm just like, I, I don't like to look at myself in the mirror every day. So no, I'm not. But, you know, it's just like, I'm, you know, at one point, a little less so now, but like, I was very confident in who I was and I didn't really care what you thought about me. And, and I've reverted a little bit over the, like over the recent years of caring more about what people think about me. And I was just talking to my husband this morning about it, about Mm -hmm. how I want to get back to that place where I don't care what people think about me, but in like a, in a better way that people aren't calling me a narcissist every every time I say something. Cause it was very, it was frustrating for me. It was like, I'm not a narcissist. I care very deeply that you're happy, but I care that I'm happy more. Mm -hmm. And this, this is what happens when, and I, teach a lot of the women I work with to navigate this because when you do rise up and speak your voice and be more empowered and shine your light is it triggers people and in my world it's okay I I activate you either to lean in and learn this way of being in the world or I'm going to activate you to lean out and some people when they lean out they do some crop dusting along the way they judge they like get mean they get nasty and it's like well you're just not ready for this work. And that's what happens is when people are judged, it's just a projection. They're not ready. They're jealous because maybe you speak your voice more and you're feeling more confident and they want that too, but they're denying that inside themselves and it becomes a whole situation. But we can't, we can't hold back. We don't want to be dicks about it and say, I'm better than you. It's no, let's all rise up and be empowered women. And I'm inviting you to come along with me. And if you're not, and you're going to call me names along the way, that's just a projection of you, but it means nothing about me and who I am. And so, yeah, speak up. You're not a narcissist. Like you're just a confident woman. Like I think that's such a good point. It's not always me. It's we, like we have to 
build each other up and yes yeah yes such good advice and I and I second what Brandy said earlier. This has definitely been our. And we like I said before, we're a year in at least, almost I should say. Almost. And we do an episode a week, and so oh, this wow. is by far our my favorite. Yeah. Oh, that means so much to me. Thank you. I'm so happy. I yeah, I could talk about this forever. This is this this is literally my life. I get paid to be me and help other women be themselves. Like. Like, is this real life? <laughs> it's like that kid. Have you seen that YouTube video where he like comes out of the dentist and he's like, is this real life? Like, that's how I feel. <laughs> that's awesome. I think that's such an empowering place to be at because, um, you know, just speaking for myself over the past few years, I felt very lost because I owned a, you know, a brick and mortar retail store and then I closed it. And after that, I'm just like, well, before that I was in the Marine Corps for four years. And after I got out of the Marine Corps, I was very lost. I had no idea what I was supposed to be because my entire life, all I wanted to do was be in the military. And I did four years and I was like, fucking bye. Okay, I've had enough for you people. But you know, like you, you hit these kind of milestones where you tra- you're transitioning in your life. And then you've, you're like, well, I was a Marine for four years. Now I was a business owner for a few years, but what am I now? Mm-hmm. So it's a transition. Yeah, you try to like label yourself like I'm, you know, I'm a lawyer, I'm a business owner, I'm a mother, I'm whatever. And it's like, we forget we can just be ourselves. Yeah. Well, a lot of- and that's where I think it was a couple months ago. I'm just like, I'm creating this movement. Hashtag be me. Like, that's it. We just need to be ourselves. And we will embody different ways of what that looks like of our different professions and all those things, but that doesn't define who we are. Mm-hmm. We just get to be ourselves and life gets to be fun when we're ourselves, but we've I been bet. taught that it's not fun to be ourselves because it's bad and all those things, but no, being you is the best thing that you can do. You do you, I do me, and then we're all happy. I love it. I do too. This made me so happy, I feel like. <laughs> I get that a lot at the end. Like this last interview I think I did last week, he was like, I just feel so good. Yeah, like, <laughs> I like, agree. Oh, is, I'm, I'm jazzed <laughs> up too. <laughs> okay, Kelsey, we love to hear about people's like awful dating stories because we always feel like they're the most fun stories. Do you have any dating stories that you can share with our audience? Yes. And this is just so in like demonstrative of poor past Chelsea, Chelsea, (laughs) who was lost trying to get external validation from guys, because if I did, then I felt like I was important and I mattered and all these pieces. I had dated this guy who was like the, he was like the typical bad boy guy. Like he smoked, he played pool at night. And I was basically like his booty call, but I thought we were dating because that's how jaded I was. And we've he, all been there. We've I all know. There. I know. And it's like love, love. Situationship. Say that again. Situationship. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. And it's, I don't remember how long we quote unquote dated for, but it's, I know it was in college. It was my undergrad too. I think it was, I think it might've been freshman year. I can't quite remember, but it became a point too that he was just like using me for all the different things that I had, like money I had. And he ended up like he borrowed my car, but then he wouldn't give it back for like, oh for like a couple months. Like, and I was like, just, I was just like, I think like, did he steal my car? 
Like what just <laughs> happened? And of course, at that time, I wasn't in an empowered place to even say anything or like speak up. Like I tried to kind of speak up and then finally at one point he of course made it all my fault and this is so ridiculous and i'm gonna leave my keys outside the front door and you can come get it and we're done and we're over oh you have to go pick up your own car i have to go pick it up and i was Every like day. oh my god <laughs> the boss on this I'll drive you home Jeez. it was bad it was bad the wow. sex was good but see was... that's where it gets you when you have good sex you think this yeah. is a relationship so then you realize it's just good sex no it's just it's like basically it was like trauma sex it was just like okay i can feel important and valid and worthy in my emotions when i'm having sex but otherwise i'm just shutting it all off so yeah that's kind of the worst the worst yeah, yeah that's and bad it was really bad but that was just kind of a very external representation of just where i was at just like lost and like not getting external validation, not speaking up for myself, like just going to where I was quote unquote wanted, but it wasn't wanted. I was just being used. And, and luckily now, like in this place where that's, you know, not my reality, but it's part of my history. And that's when we love all parts of ourselves, past, present and future. And it gets to be a whole love situation now. So that's awesome. I'm so happy that you came on the podcast and we cannot wait to spread the word about you with all of our listeners and on our own social media accounts, but where can our audience find you and where can they reach out to you if they want to start taking some of your coaching? Yes. Well, best place. I'm mostly on Facebook and kind of side dish on Instagram. So on Instagram, you can find me at Dr. Chelsea page and then, and I'm sure you'll yeah, you know, I'll listen your in bio. And then um, also on Facebook, uh, I have a business page, Dr. Chelsea page, but it's more like a billboard. You can follow me or friend me on Facebook, just Chelsea page. I'm over there all the time. I have a free Facebook group with some trainings in there awesome. and you can find that all there. And through that, you can link to all my websites and offers. And I'm, and you can always just send me a direct message on Facebook or Instagram. If you're like, Hey, what do, what do you got going on? And how can I jump in your world? So I'm, I'm pretty accessible. I love that. We will absolutely share all of that information and, um, hopefully you can spread the word to our yes. listeners. Yes. I love it. Thank well, you so much. I'll definitely tell everybody. This has been so informational. I'm going home and making out with my husband right now. So <laughs> do it and dance, dance, just go dance, have fun, move your body, like be a woman, like go mm -hmm. have fun. <laughs> That's such good advice. Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.